Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show. Episode 111 coming at you from the Meaning of True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klossman. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. And just us tonight, um, trying a little something different tonight. Um, no actual microphone. I, I'm curious on how this is going to sound, but we're going to roll with it. So uh, no actual microphone tonight. Uh, we're just kind of doing the the Skype thing and seeing how it rolls. So if this works, that's going to save a lot of my office space. Oh, be- because it takes you so long to do. Well, not that it's it's hard work. It's just it's it's a very space-consuming thing. Well, you put stuff away like you should you wouldn't have this issue well it's the table is what i mean the the table our podcast table that we've had since day one it's a very nice table it's kind of like the bill's mafia style ones which is the fold up and it's great 99 percent of the time but the only hassle is on the daily you know on the days that we're not recording so what is that thursday friday saturday sunday monday it's just kind of in the way. So, yeah, I, I think we're actually put possibly going to downsize the table, too. Oh, uh, that's another project that we're possibly looking at, just so it's a little bit more spacious in the, the studio slash my work office. Oh, it's all for your work office. That's pretty much what it is. Well, it's, it's just to make it look nicer. I mean, that's the, the beauty of having an apartment slash office. We should just do it outside. Studio. Why don't we just do it outside? Because then you can get passerbys and birds. and Imagine if we're sitting here recording and like a bird die bombs me or something like that. Like, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> it would be. But, um, It'd be a great YouTube video. It, it's true. Talk about getting the likes and the, the views <laughs> up. Um, anyway, speaking of YouTube, uh, this is a special announcement. Uh, on behalf of our friends over at Rage and Pro Wrestling, RPW. As most of you know, the RPW Extravaganza 2 show is coming up on April 29th. And generally speaking, this would be our plug to go buy tickets, hang out with us, etc. Well, you should still go buy tickets. Tickets are still available. But unfortunately, you will not be able to hang out with us. Uh, Some family stuff came up. Uh, Shauna and I will be in Minnesota. Ramsey and gang will be at a charity event. Sean could go, but isn't going. So, I had to throw you under the bus. I, right. It is what it is. Um, but that means that our Root for Wisconsin seats are available. They are the only front row seats left for that show. So, to buy them, you would, I believe it's Facebook only. I don't think they can, for whatever reason, I don't think they can relist it on their website. So, Facebook only. For the Raging Pro Wrestling RPW page. And with that, uh, tickets are on sale. As an incentive to buy those tickets, if you do buy them, you will take our spot in presenting the RPW Cruiserweight Championship belt to the winner. Um, as of right now, it is a, I believe it's a six pack match. Just want to double check on that. 
Um, for the Cruiserweight belt, we have a new champion, or I guess still a reigning champion, uh, since the last time we had talked, and that is Preston Palmer beat TW3 at a different event. The beauty of this championship, it can be defended anywhere, anytime, um, at any event. So truly, you know, truly a cruiserweight, you know, you have most people say you can cruise your way to victory. Not in this. It's a five-way match. I do apologize. It'll be Johnny CK versus Diddy Mean Chambers versus the champion Preston Palmer. Also throw in Kyle Pro and the Marman in there as well. So tickets are available for Saturday, April 29th at the Watering Hole. Get them at the Watering Hole. Get them at Look Sharp. Raging Pro Wrestling, com, And then for those exclusive Root for Wisconsin seats, you can get them through the RPW Raging Pro Wrestling Facebook page. So that's our special announcement. We had teased that on social media today. That's our special announcement. Uh, always our great friends over there. Thank you for continuing to hype us up and plug us. Love being a sponsor. Unfortunately, we're actually going to miss the next couple shows just with scheduling as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's life, though. So, there you go. We'll but be back. Hmm? We'll be back as soon as we can. We will be back as soon as we can. Next order of business, we got to talk about our other friend over at Raise Energy RepSports.com. Code root for R O O T number four root four gets fifty percent off any order at RepSports.com on Raise Energy and other products. Use that promo code, 15% off. Find something you like. I, I really stress it enough. It, it's a lifestyle brand. You can really find a, a little bit of everything there. Um, and that leads us into our sports talk for the episode. And that starts off with what we are rooting for, brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics over 300-plus powered stores. And, Sean, I'm sure you're aware, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the episode. It is playoff time for the NHL and the NBA. And show your love for your team. I'm trying to find the official hashtag that they're using right now. It is... I guess they don't have it announced yet. But there is going to be an official hashtag uh, for the NBA and NHL playoffs. Be sure to check those out. Show your love for your team. Bucks, Lakers, Warriors, Kings, uh Celtics, Cavaliers, Knicks, go on and on. Or if you're a fan of a team that didn't make the playoffs, like the Pacers, the Pistons, the Rockets, regardless of your team, show your love and go to fanatics.com for the official store of all these leagues and so many more. So, Sean, I'll let you lead us off as to what you had rooted for in the last week. What do you got for us? Or last couple weeks, really, because we've been off for a couple weeks. Last, oh, well, if we want to go the last couple of weeks, I'm gonna, we haven't put on since WrestleMania, and I'm going to just say WrestleMania was awesome this year, and it was just every match was could have been one of those matches where it could have stole the show on both nights, I think. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I have my disagreement because I didn't... The ending of Cody Roman... As a fan, as a I fan, see how it kind of made sense. I, I've come around on it a little bit more. I don't, I don't hate the fact that Roman retained. 
it's just it's the constant fact that the only way he can continue to win, and I get it because you don't want him to win clean because it kind of kills a feud. This is still an ongoing thing with Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Um, but it's just the fact that it continues to be outside interference. And for what it's worth, the, th- the part that I think bothered me the most is that in past eras and past events like this, we would have seen the match, you know, because Solo Sokoa was right there. Like, the ref was there. He didn't even try to hide after, you know, the bell or anything like that, or before the bell, really. So, in that sense, we've seen the match be restarted after something that shouldn't have happened. In theory. Now, it is what it is. Again, it is what it is. Um, I know, you know, the wrestling world was pretty pissed off for about a week and the raw after mania did no favors to anybody um you, mean? <laughs> you know exactly what i mean uh people in the wrestling world know exactly what i mean it was a very <laughs> um vince-esque raw i wonder why um to announce the sale but it looks it sounds like things have kind of started to go back to the quote-unquote normal in the Triple H era. And it sounds like, I think I read one report that the true Triple H era is going to begin at the upcoming draft, not this Friday, but the following. Yep, so, that's obviously that's going to play out however it's going to. We'll see. Um, from the wrestling standpoint, I, I will agree, though, as a whole, WrestleMania, especially night one, was incredible. Um, basically, every match was better than the past one and right. really you there wasn't a true bad one i think night two got a little bit clunky at times with some of the matches um but still they they were very good matches all the way through. right so from a wrestling standpoint that's kind of like our catch-up on wrestlemania and um that's a great root for i have two root fours Ooh. um first I'm going to say going back to the ballpark, getting the first baseball game of spring under my belt. I uh, had gone this past Saturday to Fox City Stadium for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Got myself a new hat, as you can see in our video version. Rocking the Lake Winnebago Shantyman uh, Sturgeon Spearing Special Hat. So yeah, it would have been nice to be asked if, you, if Sean would want a hat, but it's okay. Hey, we'll be going back other times this year, buddy. Sure. Still would have been I nice didn't to invite you to the game. You were, oh, I'm too busy. I had to go get fitted. You should, you should have been ahead of that. I was. I actually beat you to that. Are we really going to go there? <laughs> <laughs> we know how I am with scheduling stuff. And I, I got there first. It is what it is. Yeah, because of Shauna. It's okay. You can admit it. I'm that one bit. I'm just <laughs> saying the facts are the facts. We're not even talking about the cheese tax. But <laughs> uh, my second report, I do got to give a shout out to Secretary Shauna. She beat me two out of three times in horse slash pig tonight. Before we started recording... She's been on on me jokingly to buy basketball because there's a um, outdoor basketball hoop by our apartment. So tonight we went to Walmart, got a couple things, and we bought a basketball. I will say 
a little bit of a tainted victory for her. We were using a undersized youth ball. Well, with... you bought the basketball, so it's your own fault. No, actually, I didn't buy the basketball. I picked, we picked one out, and I didn't feel like paying the like fifteen dollars for a regulation size men's ball. So she said, if she buys it, she's buying the ESPN five dollar one. I'm like, okay, that checks out. And uh, really, it, I blame the backboard the most. It, it there was no forgiveness on it. It was just. When was the last time you shot a basketball? Before tonight. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> probably. Well, uh, aside from like uh, Dave and Buster's playing the arcade shot, it, it's been it's been a minute. I'll I'll be honest. It's been a little bit. Maybe, maybe um, she's, she's been scheming at recess at school. So That's what I said. That's the first thing I said. <laughs> Apparently that got shot down. Um, and then the other part of the team, again, she did beat me. I will say that fair and square. Um, I was not allowed to shoot three-pointer. Like I said, we played best part of three. She beat me in the first one um, because apparently she was shooting all these probably about seven foot shots and she would backboard it and I would try to swish it and I did not have any forgiveness with this ball um and the rim because it's like a even it's one of those outdoor park double rims mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about yeah um so no forgiveness on on the rim either um but she beat me the first time then in the second game my shots started falling I was hitting three after three after three and then I wasn't allowed to shoot those for the rubber match. So So you're crabby that you lost. I, I, I very much admit I was crappy for about five minutes. Because there was a Snapchat that looked like you were very crabby. I, I was a little crabby. I will I will full on admit I was I was a little crabby, but I have gotten over it. Have you though? <laughs> Got over it enough. So you're you're gonna go buy buy a hoop for your for your drive or right in front of your parking spot and you're just gonna shoot hoops all day tomorrow. That's all you're gonna do. <laughs> no. If anything, I would probably get one for the office and just from my, my chair just get the form back. Why don't you take the one from your house that you had? Or from Dave and Jody's? It's a bad idea. Whatever uh, happened to that one? I I think it's sitting in a garage somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, so that is our root force. Um, real quick, just one other piece of business. I've kind of forgotten this. Congratulations to our tournament challenge winner, Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Huskies all the way to the championship. Um, her prize, because I know we said it was to be determined was a dinner paid for by myself at El Tequila and Shano. So she got dinner at El Tequila, and that was congratulations to her. So quick root for for her there as well. Kind of crazy that it came down between Jody and Hannah. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Into the final game. Don't want to talk about it. But it is, I will say, it is awesome that it actually came down to the final game where the national championship decided the tournament challenge. 
Um, and another one we did with Shauna's family. The entire Final Four didn't matter. I don't think oh, the Elite no. Eight mattered. I think all the teams were out by the Elite Eight. So everything was set. Yeah, that seems about right this year. So that is our root force, which leads us to going from the positive to the negative with our Tyler Hero movie of the week. And I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going to go with Reggie Miller. Because, speaking of our namesake of this award, he had the bold take over the weekend in the first game of the Bucks Heat series to say that losing the Heat losing Tyler Hero with his hand injury would have a bigger impact than if the Bucks lost Giannis for the playoffs. Which I think is the worst take in basketball I've heard in a long time. So I, I'm going to say I do not wish injury to Tyler Hero. I hope he makes a speedy recovery. I did not take joy in him being injured. I want to be very clear on that. <laughs> but he is still so. You st- don't don't lie to me. You still laughed. I did not laugh. I did not wish injury upon him. <laughs> I'm not happy that he got injured. I like I said, I wish him a speedy recovery. I think he's a douche. I think he's a deserves a noogie with his broken fingers, whatever. But I did not wish injury upon him. I want to be very clear on that. So that is my my noogie of the week is going to Reggie Miller for saying that Tyler Hero matters more than Giannis, which is just absurd. Yeah, that's very absurd. Which I I think I do think the Bucks would be okay without Giannis for probably the, this series, but. After that, I don't know so much. I think they'd be okay for this series. And I think potentially the winner of the Knicks-Cavs series for that that, um, next round matchup, I think they'd still be okay. I don't think they can make the finals because I don't think they could beat Philadelphia or Boston without him. But I do think they would be okay in that second round series against the Cavs or Knicks. All right, what, All right, do, I, Chuck, what do I got? Go? I'm going to go Draymond for stepping on uh, Damatas Sabonis and getting himself uh, he ejected. He didn't step on him, Sean. He, he full-on oh. stomped him. Yeah, full-on stomped. He, who's the guy from... Was it the guy from the Lions that stepped on one of the Packers? Yeah, Damakin Sue. Yeah, full Sue on him. I, he almost went like... Just going back to wrestling, he went like Seth Rollins stomp mode. On, on Demonte Sabonis, which Demonte Sabonis probably should have gotten a follow out of it too, like a ground, like on the ground for like holding onto his leg. But you can't just like Mario jump on and stop somebody. Right. Right. That just make it was just it was a stupid, stupid thing to do. Typical Draymond, though. I mean, he always finds a way to get kicked out of a game, and now. For the first time in Steph Curry's NBA career, the Warriors are down 2-0 in a series. Right. Which, credit to the Kings, they've been nothing short of incredible right. in this series. But, um, yeah, that's it, it was such a stupid night. I, I saw it on Twitter because I was trying to follow along with the Brewer game last night mm-hmm. and get updates on Corbin Burns, and we'll talk about that a little bit here. Hey, T. Um, so I'm trying to get Brewers updates and 
I come across this live that's happening, and everybody's like, Draymond, no. Dre, typical Draymond, like, getting getting ejected out of a, a critical game because he lost his mind on something stupid again. Right. So, all right, Sean, that's a great, great noogie. Any other ones you want to get off your chest in the last couple of weeks? No. No, not really. I would, would kind of want to do with Night at, or Raw after Mania, but that is what it is. We kind of hit on it a little bit, but all that's, right, that's about all I got. Yeah, it's I can't really think of anything that's made me too mad otherwise. I would just need to get off my chest. Nothing beyond that. Um, which leads us to our WWW story, and actually we have two this week because we've been gone. Well, we've been gone for two weeks, so. Um, two that I feel like we need to touch on. So the first one, kind of just going in order here, uh, took place in Milwaukee a week, almost two weeks ago, um, where they had the first ever World Burrito Eating Contest Championship held in Milwaukee, uh, headlined and won by Joey Chestnut. It happened in the Deer District, sponsored by, was it Qdoba? Yeah, Qdoba. Uh, contestants had to eat it's a one pound burrito so see how many one pound burritos you can eat which is stuffed with chicken, rice, beans, queso, salsa and guac um, so one pound burritos I'm trying to get through Joey Chestnut ate 14 and a half one pound burritos in 10 minutes that's so insane. still insane so that is the first uh, Wisconsin web story of the week and our second one takes us to the Wolf River area. Um, nothing, no specific. It starts usually in Shackton, but every year, people, including myself, I have very vivid memories of this with uh, my mom and my brother going to Shano for the Wolf River with the uh, sturgeon spawning season. And really kind of a cool, one of the most Wisconsin things I can ever think of is the people, I mean, just the amount of people that gather for the sturgeon spawning season to get a glimpse of these giant fish, these prehistoric fish. Um, and people gather at... Like I said, I know that we always went to Shano by the dam mm-hmm. um, to kind of see it. So just kind of a, like I said, no specific area, but it usually starts in the Shackton area, goes along the Wolf River um, as you get closer to Shano and and so forth too. So uh, sturgeon spawning going down, and I know that the cold weather kind of has affected it a little bit, has kind of made it a little less... Um, not popular, but has made it a little less prevalent to see because they kind of slow down. The fish slow down a little bit. Um, and the people slow down. You know, obviously people don't want to stand out when it's snowing in the middle of April. But, yeah, it's it's just kind of a cool, I mean, just you get, you know, inches away from these giant prehistoric fish. And they're, they're truly like one of a kind for this area and and all that so that is my or our second 
Wisconsin Web Star of the Week. Yeah. Anything yeah. Gotcha? No, well, I, I thought you were going to go walleye fishing because that opened up and just the crazy amount of people that have been in styles at the dam there and in O'Connell has been absolutely insane. Same thing on the bay and the East River here in in the Fox River, too, in De Pere. Yeah, because it, O'Connell, the, the breakwater, it the boats have been par- all the way parked out to, what is that, Why? As you turn onto the breakwater road there, I think. I can't that remember. Sounds right. I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm gonna take your word for it. I, I think that's what it is. But yeah, the boats and trailers have been parked all the way out there for a week and a half, two weeks straight. Which is just insane for one fish. Yeah, they're running right now though. I've seen my cousin and some of my buddies who who go fishing a lot more than I do, have been bringing some huge walleye already. Um, probably my favorite fish to eat, if I'm being honest. So, oh, Yeah, but once you get those huge fish, they don't taste as good as the, like, 18-inchers, so. Is that the point, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> just saying. That's what I'm just saying. I, I know, I know. So... Uh, no trivia this week with new Secretary Shauna. And I don't think we had a, really a draft one. We didn't really talk about a draft. Do you have anything you want to draft before we talk some more in-depth on sports here this week, Sean? No, I got nothing off the dome that I really want to do. Yeah, so we'll take a week off of the draft. We'll bring that back next week ahead of the NFL draft. And, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty next week to talk about. Uh, Which brings us to our main sports talk of the week. And plenty has happened in the last couple weeks since we last recorded. Um, I believe since we last recorded, the Badgers lost in the NIT Final Four. That was kind of, I think that was happening as we were recording. Yep, they had lost just as we we were wrapping up. So, that happened. Uh, The... MLB regular season has started. The NBA playoffs have started. The NHL playoffs have started. Um, WrestleMania has come and gone. The Masters have come and gone. Um, so, yeah. Pick where you want to start, Sean. Um, let's go Brewers first. All right. Milwaukee Brewers are 11-5 and five on the season, on the young season here already, uh, leading the NL Central 16 games in. They are on their final leg of a West Coast road trip where they are face or 12 and 5, excuse me, 12 and 5. I don't want to undersell them here. 12 and 5 on the early part of the season, leading the Cubs and the Pirates in the NL Central. Um, since Cincinnati is, is in fourth, and then it is the St. Louis Cardinals in dead last currently. Now, I don't expect that to last too long. Gosh, no. Um, and especially in a division that everyone criticizes being very weak. The worst team in it is 7-10. and 10. Right. Which, again, this is a, such a small sample size. It's literally 10% of the season. But I will say 
I genuinely speaking, this has been one of the more fun Brewer teams in the last few years. Really, probably going back to twenty ten or twenty eighteen. Um, they've been finding ways to win games in just about every conceivable way. Um, they have won games by double digits. And really, I think the last series against the San Diego Padres out in San Diego was a microcosm of how their season's gone. They started off winning an extra inning game, 4-3. They go the next night, win 11-1. They end up losing on Saturday. And then they win a 1-0 ball game with Wade Miley on the bump on Sunday to finish up the series. So really just doing it in every way. Um, another win last night to, against the Mariners out west. Corbin Burns left the game through five and a third with a with a pectoral injury, but positive reports kind of coming out of that is that it's just kind of a normal soreness. Uh, sounds very precautionary. He said the Brewers said he's going to throw ahead of his next start. Should be good to go, um, which is kind of really good news because uh, the team has taken some early bumps here, injury-wise. Starting first and foremost, if we're going kind of in order, we already knew kind of coming into the season that Ty- Tyrone Taylor was going to be out for an extended period. Um, still no really no word on him yet. We knew Aaron Ashby was going to be missing some significant time. Unfortunately, some kind of even worse news on him was that he did have to end up having surgery, I believe, on like the second or third day of the season. So instead of being back for June, you're kind of hoping to be back for August, September, if he does come back this season. Also starting the season on the aisle is Adrian Hauser, who I believe he had gotten hurt in his last appearance of the spring training portion, um, which is a big bullpen arm lose. He was going to start the season in the bullpen, possibly be like that six-spot starter if need be. So that's a blow. Um, on the second day of the season, after the first game of the season, uh, Luis Urias had a he had a hamstring injury, I believe. Yep. Hamstring. And is out six to eight weeks, which allowed Joe but, Weimer to get called up for the second game of the season. Uh, I was just gonna say that's that looks looking more like a not really a godsend, but it gave life to the Brewers. I mean the first. First two games were kind of were kind of rough, and then you got Joey Weimer coming up, and that kind of gave him a big spark, I think, at least. Yeah, it definitely brought some more pop to the outfield. Um, that definitely was kind of needing it, and nothing against Luis Urias. I'm not wanting him to stay out long because I think he's a he's a very good player. Um, but it has kind of forced the Brewers' hands in a good way to. Keep Brian Anderson in the lineup on a day-by-day basis. Keep Bryce Terang in the lineup on a day-by-day basis. And Bryce Terang's been hitting the cover off the ball. So he's getting and a lot more. 450 right now? Um, and I've seen another thing that Contreras and Caratini are hitting the cover off the ball, too. It's another yeah, thing that... uh, Contreras has been on base, I think, in every game except one. Um, just trying to find some of the stats for Brewers as we go through here. But they've been just, again, doing it in so many different ways any given night. Yeah. 
and Rowdy's starting to hit the ball instead of strike out four times, which has been kind of nice. Now, William Contreras is leading the team with a 313 average. Uh, Rowdy Tillis has five home runs. Brian Anderson leads the team in RBIs with 15. Christian Yelich leads the team in both runs and stolen bases. Christian Yelich leads the league in, in runs on the season, which is, I mean, he's hitting, I think his average is down at 214. His average is fluctuating probably between like 270 and 220 in the early parts of the season. Um, but he finds ways to get on base as a leadoff hitter, which is exactly what you want. Um, Brian Anderson has leads league or is one of the t- towards the top in league leaders in OPS, which he's has an OPS of 882. Um, Wilson or William Contreras has an on base percentage of 400. Anderson 373, Adamas 368, Telez 328, Garrett Mitchell 328, Christian Yelich 313, and Joey Weimer is 288. So that's not even Bryce trying in there. And that's just who's qualifying currently just based on at-bats, but right. those are all incredible OBPs. Very good. Um, William Adamas leads the team in walks. He's got 12 walks on the season already. Uh, something that the Brewers have been really good at is keeping their strikeouts low. Um, unfortunately, Christian Yelich is leading the team in strikeouts with 26. Really? Still, been rowdy. Uh, he is fifth with 14. He had four in one game. I, I know. <laughs> so it's um, a game that we for WrestleMania, isn't it? That he had yeah, four it was the second game of the season. Only one triple for the Brewers so far, and that's Garrett Mitchell. Only a handful of doubles, which, again, very early. Uh, two players, well, I shouldn't say a handful. There's quite a few, but um, not the double totals aren't there yet. Uh, Brian Anderson and Jesse Winker have three. Adamas, Brasso, Contreras, Weimer, and Yelich have two. Uh, and then... Uh, Owen Miller, Garrett Mitchell, Roddy Telez, Bryce Trang, and Luke Voigt all have one double so far. So it's it's really been a very productive early part of the season. Uh, I believe the Brewers are second in team OPS on the year at 762 in the in the entire league, which is putting them one of the reasons that they're continuing to win games. Right. So just kind of all in all um, has been a good early part of the season. I know we were just talking about injuries. I don't know. Did we mention the Brandon Woodruff injury um, where he no. got he had hurt himself in his what well, ends up being his last start against St. Louis, which was an incredible start, by the way, um, was not able to go on the latter half of that. I believe in the early part of that road trip of the West Coast swing. Um, which would have been, I believe, against Arizona. They had to call somebody up. He got put on the IL, um, which his actually was sounding a little bit worse than they had initially anticipated. Initially, it was like a day-to-day thing. Um, sounds like he's going to be out for a little bit of time, a couple weeks, it sounds like, bare minimum. Um, so you hope to get him back at close to 100%. You hope that you can fill that that line or that rotation spot either with somebody from the minors, you've got some other younger guys like an Ethan Small could get a call up at some point or um, someone to that effect. But if not, they're, they've filled it with a couple of the other spot starters. Um, 
there's I gotta try to see if I can find who's starting tonight because I think this would be his spot in the lineup. Uh, Colin Rhea is gonna start again tonight. Sure, never heard of him. I believe he's pitched in one game so far. He pitched five and two thirds in his last start to kind of fill in. Has a 159 ERA, six strikeouts to the W uh, with a whip of 0.53. Uh, he's pitched 37 games in the majors. He's got an 8-8 eight eight record, 4-7-8 ERA. In a 160 innings pitch, he's got 127 strikeouts. And a oh, career whip of 1.33. So, Take it. Last pitched uh, in the bigs, he pitched in 2021 very briefly for the Brewers. I believe it looks like he made one appearance in 2023 or 2021 previously. Uh, 2020 season, he pitched in nine games for the Cubs. Uh, prior to that, it looks like he had spent some time in the minors. Had uh, Prior to 2020, he'd been in the majors last in 2016. Um, only 30, or not only, he's 33 years, or 33 years old. Uh, was a 12th round pick by the Padres. In 2011, out of Indiana State. So it's definitely seen some time. Um, Indiana State's Larry Bird College, isn't it? What's that? Indiana State's Larry Bird College? Yeah. And former Packer Big Bob Tunyon. Ah, that's right. Where'd he get get signed to? Bears. Oh, that's right. So that is our starter tonight against the Mariners for the penultimate game of the West Coast road trip prior to a much-needed day off on Thursday and coming home for a six- or nine-game spell uh, facing some American League opponents where they'll face Boston, Detroit, and the Angels. Should be a good, good three series right there, or two for sure. Two out of three, I'd say for sure. But yeah, Detroit, you get to see Miggy, so that'd be nice. I forgot he was still playing. To be honest, I did too. I thought he retired but, after this year, but he did not. It's kind of cool. He's getting he's getting his due. Right, he, he, he definitely deserves it. Right. Um. So they're at home for nine games before going back on a West Coast swing. And then they'll come home for six, then on the road for six, then home for six. Really interesting scheduling now because they have to play every team for a home-and-home each year now, or all year now, instead of kind of switching divisions. Um, So you lose some division games, but you gain all these other series throughout the year. And actually, I don't. it's not a home-and-home. It's it's every other year you'll play. At home. So this year they have Boston, Detroit, L.A., Kansas City, Houston, Baltimore, Minnesota, but that's usually a yearly thing. All at home. So what you're saying is next next year we're going to Fenway? That's the dream. <laughs> that's my hope. I, I want, I, that's like bucket list. Well, hey. we talked on bucket list. I want to go to all 30, but... Well, yeah, but 
Brewers at Fenway would be kind of cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, eight forty start tonight. You know, uh, you know, you could do you could do that for your bachelor party. We could we could take a ride to Fenway. I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. Just throw the idea out. Uh, you're you're in charge of that, so right. So that is our Brewers talk for the evening. Um, anything else you want to touch on Brewers, wise Sean? Um, uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Fantastic. You got something? Just let me know. So yeah. we'll stay in the city of Milwaukee for the Milwaukee Bucks starting their playoff run here. They are the one seed. In the East, actually, the number one overall seed in the NBA, they'd have home feet or home court through the entire playoffs, including the finals, should they get there. Um, as we kind of referred to in our Nuggie segment, the Bucks did drop game one after losing Giannis with a back injury. Um, very fortunate, it sounds like, that it should be a long-term injury. Um he is listed, I believe, as doubtful for game two. But you still hope, you know, you can probably, like I said, you can probably get through this series without him, I think. Right. I'm, I'm thinking so. Because what, wasn't it, was it last year or was it two years ago when he tore his, when he screwed up his knee? Two years so, ago. Was championship run. Was it championship run? Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Bucks officially lose game one of the NBA final or of the NBA uh, first round in the East. Um, it's still a series that I don't, I don't foresee the Heat shooting like fifty percent or fifty nine percent from the field every game. Right. I think it's kind of got two flukes. You make some more of your shots. I think I saw one stat where if the Bucks go from twenty four percent from three to like twenty seven percent, which is still you know super low. And the Heat go from 59% to even 50%. The Bucks make up 30-some points in that game. So I'm not too concerned yet. I think, you know, obviously you don't want to lose Giannis long-term if you're talking about a championship run. I think, the, I mean, it, it quite literally does. The path through to the NBA Finals should run through Milwaukee. Um, it would if they keep playing, but I genuinely think this is a very deep Milwaukee Bucks team that, on paper, should I think anything short of the Eastern Conference Finals is a disappointment, right? Barring some sort of long term injury to Giannis. 100%. I totally agree with you there, but I feel I feel like game one was like you said, it was kind of a fluke. Well, I shouldn't say fluke, but anybody can beat anybody on any given night. But kind of, you're not expecting to lose Giannis in that game. And I feel like going into the second game, you're going to be, you're game planning without Giannis, of course. And I I just think you're going to execute better. Well, that, and you know, you, you can truthfully say it. your Your law of averages would point to them not being, continuing that, that hot shooting that they haven't done all year. Right. Um, so if if that's the case, you know, again, it should be a, a situation where the Bucks 
bounce back, and I, I really think this, you know, fiance is even back for game three, which, you know, just on, on ESPN on the ticker, that they're kind of hopeful that he is, um, even if he's up for game two. When's game two? Uh, Wednesday, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Okay. So, on paper, I mean, you're looking at, I think game three would end up being in Miami for Saturday or Sunday again. So you're kind of hoping that that lower back contusion, which is a fancy word for bruise, right. uh, should be kind of cleared up and and back underway of where it needs to be. So I, I can still foresee the Bucks winning this thing in five. I really can. Um, you know, you kind of get that one game out of the way. You know, again, you don't want to say fluke, but you kind of get that fluke game out of the way of the Heat shooting 60% from the field. Right. And bring kind of back to the the median, you know, the old the old adage that, you know, forty four percent from the field, thirty three percent from three is kind of the, the average. So even if that occurs and that kind of goes back to normal bucks significantly better. Um and like you said, I think they you know, if you can kind of game plan having Giannis out for even game two or if it does go to game three or whatever. You still have a very deep team between Jay Crowder and and Bobby and Brooke and kind of using your defense that route. And then you have your guard play can step up a little bit more and, and Chris and and Drew. So no, I'm not too concerned yet. If uh, we're recording next week and they still trail in the series, we'll talk then. But right. I don't foresee that happening. Um, elsewhere in the NBA playoffs, we had talked about the Warriors being down 2-0. The Western Conference really intrigues me this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really seems like a wide-open West where, and I'm not just saying this as a, as a Homer fan, I think the Lakers have a, as good of a shot as anybody at that seven seed. Of course you're saying that. Um, I Did you watch Game 1 at all or any of the NBA playoffs over the weekend? No, I, have, I haven't watched any. Uh, the Lakers came out and they ended up, I think, they were a six-point underdog going into that series, or going into game one. They won by 14, so it was basically, I mean, it was a 20-point turnaround, if yeah. you really didn't. Didn't Hachimura have, like, his, like, a crazy game or something like that? He supported on uh, Austin Reeves had a career high or well it would have been a playoff career high but I even think if it was like a normal game I think he would have had a career high he uh I think he had 14 in the fourth quarter out of his 25 I think or something like that but I think that really speaks to just how good of a trade deadline the Lakers really had getting rid of uh Westbrook getting rid of Pat Beverly in kind of addition by subtraction, I mean, no one's really afraid of D'Angelo Russell. You have a healthy AD, or healthy enough AD. You have a healthy enough LeBron. And you have a pretty decent supporting cast. As of yeah. right now. So if LeBron gets ousted in his first, first round, are you going to be upset? I'm... I'm obviously always going to be upset when when I don't see greatness happening, but um, 
my narrative may change about the supporting cast. Right. But they have one good I, game. Oh, he's got a greatest support, uh, supporting cast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's that is the current, you know, Pat McAfee has overreaction Monday. That is my overreaction game one. My overreaction Tuesday. Whatever. To change upon further information, but um, in a game where LeBron and Anthony Davis didn't have to score forty each, like we've seen different efforts out of LeBron, you know, even going back to that NBA final or NBA championship that they won um, when he won it in Cleveland, where him and Kyrie had to have like forty point games each just to beat the Warriors. You didn't have to have that out of those two because you had, you know, other guys step up. In those games, you're gonna have to at some point if you're going to make a championship run, which maybe they will, maybe they won't. You know, the odds would say as a seven seed, they probably won't. But you're going to have to have games where those two guys go out and score 30, 35 each. But it's always a great sight when you can have your your two kind of support guards instead of getting ten or fifteen could put on 25-30. And LeBron and AD only have to have, you know, 20. Right. So, I, I think they look good. Um, the Kings, again, are kind of the darling right now of of the sports world. They take a 2-0 lead going back to Oracle as the Warriors have struggled all year on the road. Right. And the pl- opening round of the playoffs was no difference. They kept home court. They are, or the Kings kept home court. They let the beam, whatever the hell that means, in Sacramento. That's right. a big thing for them to light the beam. And uh, like I said, De'Aaron Fox has been incredible. He's been just in any moment last night. If Clay or Steph hit a three, De'Aaron Fox is going on the other end and sinking one back as an answer. So. It, it was kind of a fun game to watch from my phone as I wasn't really paying attention to it per se, but looking at it enough. I think it'll just be a fun playoffs. It, it really should be. I mean, even even your kind of your mid-tier matchups right now, I mean, I have no interest whatsoever. If the Bucks weren't going to play the winner of Knicks-Cavs, wouldn't really care too much about it. But at the same time, I mean, you have a young star in Donovan Mitchell. You have Julius Randle, who's always been kind of slept on in terms of solid players. Not great, but solid players for our generation. Um, You have, you know, just looking at at the Knicks lineup, Jalen Brunson as another young player. Obi Toppin was a big thing last year, a couple years back. Um, looking at the Cavs roster again, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's really your star right now. Darius Garland, who's come up from the ranks, only twenty three years old. Some of these other guys, teams that are going to be doing this for a long time, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they can keep the Cavs core together. Yeah, they're going to be an interesting group. Donovan. I really think they are. 
Um, they are currently, as we speak, up 66-47, uh, but they do trail the series currently 1-0. Um, other games taking place today as we record, Celtics taking care of business over the Hawks, 117-97. Two minutes left in that one. Uh, the Cavs up on the Knicks, as we had just mentioned. And then probably the most interesting game of the night, if you ask me, uh, Suns-Clippers, not because of anything other than the fact that Scott Foster's refereeing. And I don't know oh, if you've really? seen this number. Scott Foster, in games that he officiates for Chris Paul, in the playoffs... Chris Paul is 0-14 in games that Scott Foster officiates. Holy fuck. That's that's totally an anomaly, because I don't, you know, I would be led to believe that Scott Foster, if he's a good enough referee to get in the NBA playoffs, and whether that be the championship rounds or the Western Conference final or, you know, what have you, I would led to believe that he isn't, you know, making those calls. I think it's a total anomaly. It's a total coincidence. But it is still an outstanding coincidence that that is indeed the case for one of the players, again, who you can talk about a generational talent, is 0-14 in playoff games. And I, I, I don't even think his regular season record in games where he's officiated is that good. No. But Chris Paul is a generational talent, but I don't really... He's been one of those guys that hasn't been able to win when he's got a good team kind of thing. Oh, I, I do apologize. I believe his playoff record is two and seventeen. Oh, yeah. In games about Chris with Chris Foster or Scott Foster. It's it's amazing that Chris Paul's been doing this in 04. Like or no O three? Uh O four, I believe. No, oh yeah. Oh, was he after LeBron then? Yeah, the LeBron that draft, the O three draft was Carmelo, no. Dwayne Wade. Yep. LeBron. Darko. Yep. Darko and then Carmelo. I wish I could find his overall roster or his overall um his overall record in games that Scott Foster has officiated, but two and seventeen in the playoffs. Yeah. Well he hasn't had that good of teams to begin with. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Has he? I mean, if you're talking about um, Chris Paul, you talk about those those Clippers teams. Were they really that good, though? On paper, I would say they were. On on paper, yes. But if they had to actually shoot the ball, they weren't that great. If, sure. if all they had to do was dunk the ball, then yes. Because you had Blake Griffin, you had DeAndre Jordan. Who else? I don't even know who else they had at that time. They had a shooter, too, didn't they? I can't think of who they're... Paul Crawford, too. Yeah. Oh, 14, I believe it's been 14 straight for Chris Paul losses. Mm. Um, Chris Paul has an overall record in his 18 years in the league. In the playoffs, he is 72 and 71. Really? But two and, what did I say, two and 17? Yeah, you said Scott Foster. Oh, yeah. So. Um, The only thing I think more impressive than that 
And I saw this stat over the weekend. Just kind of going back to LeBron James. LeBron James has been in the league and at a high level on good teams for so long that the amount of playoff games that LeBron has played single-handedly is more than 10 active franchises have in their entire history. Yeah, I did, I did see that. That is, is, it, is just he like, insane. Isn't he like fourth himself for finals appearances? Yes. Over all the teams? Yeah, that's what that's what it was. So NBA finals appearances, the Lakers have 32. Yep. The Celtics have 22. The Warriors have 12. LeBron has 10. LeBron has 10. No franchise aside from those three have more than 10. LeBron has played in 267 career playoff games, which is more than 10 active franchises. Right. That's more than double what Chris Paul... Well, we were just talking about Chris Paul, who's played in the league since about that same time. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's played in 100... This will be 114 playoff games tonight. And... No, no. Or 140. Yeah. yeah uh, was, I'm sorry. 144 that, playoff games. But <laughs> LeBron has played in basically double the amount of playoff games as Chris Paul. Right. And I believe they're one year apart, maybe two. One. One, because I'm pretty sure Chris Paul was on NBA NBA Live 04. If I remember right. I know he was on 05. I think I feel like... Is that what I'm thinking of then? Yeah, he was, he was in the... Well, he was in the 05 draft. He was the fourth pick in the 05 draft. Yeah. I can confirm that. <clears throat> so two years difference, which really those two years of the Cavs teams weren't shit. <laughs> so I don't think LeBron made the playoffs until 05, 06, I think. Sure. I want to check on that as well. Yeah, because wasn't it 07, 07, 08 when he made it to the finals? Against I believe that was his first appearance where they um, got, was it swept by the Spurs? Yeah, they got demolished. Which was so stupid. <laughs> We've been, we would have been better off with like you and me in that series. At 11 and 12 years old. Right. That's that's the type of supporting cast he had that year. Yeah. LeBron James supporting cast, but... I hate Google. I'm trying to find this. What are you trying to find? I'm trying to find his Wikipedia. So I can see... And it just... is a cluster right now on my phone. That'll do. That was a lot harder than it should have been. Yeah, because the operator. It, it's. I promise you, it's not. It really isn't. Oh, they didn't make the playoffs his second year in the league. So my bad. Mm. Maybe. Hold on. Nope. They failed. The first two years they they missed. And they made it his third year, so that would be the oh five oh six season. 
Yeah, well, five oh six season, they beat the Wizards and then lost the Pistons in the second round. Bad mm, Pistons team in 05-06. And Was the Pistons would go on to lose in the conference finals to the Heat, who would go on to win the championship that year. Oh, that's D-Wade Shaq Heat? Yep. When did the Pistons – was Pistons win in 04? Uh, had to have been, right? I think so. That was a good team. That was, that was what, Rip Hamilton, yeah, Ben Wallace. Phillips, ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, and Tayshaun Prince. The 05 was um, Spurs, Pistons. They won no. seven. So, just kind of crazy. And the Pistons won it in 4 over the Lakers. They won that oh, series 4-1. Yeah. The team was so good. Wow. Anyway, so that is NBA playoffs. Um, well, I mean, in the world of Wisconsin sports, Really, all that's left is talks and Packers, but I'm just trying to. I'm, we had talked about NCAA. Masters happened. Uh, that was a lot more exciting than I had anticipated at the end. We saw an epic meltdown. Right. On the final day. And led to a lot more guys in contention than expected. Yep. So definitely was an interesting master to say the least. It always is. I, there's some, I mean, I, I can watch golf any given day. I don't really, I mean, it's, it, it, I love watching it. Yep. But the Masters is just one of those timeless events that really takes the stage. I mean, I think even if you're not a, a true, like, watching golf fan, you can appreciate the Masters more than any other tournament major or whatever. I still, I still wish Tiger would would be playing better, because it's always nice to see him doing good during these big tournaments and everything. The PGA kind of, is better when Tiger is on top, right? Or at least contending. I wouldn't even say he's got to he's got to be what he was ten years ago, but just contending. Well, at this point, you almost have to be what he was fifteen years ago. Right, I I suppose. But I still will never forget for as long as, well, I can't say as long as I live because <laughs> dementia and Alzheimer's could be a thing. But, uh, um, but the 2019 Masters where where Tiger wearing red on Sunday mattered, and just that crowd that followed that final group up the last few holes. Right, and Tiger hits, goes on to win the 2019 Masters. Might be one of my all-time favorite golf moments. Aside from, I think Jordan Spieth winning the Masters, becoming the youngest Masters champion, and I would say Tiger at the U.S. Open right after his father had died. Yep, are two of my favorite golf watching memories. Or Tiger on a broken leg. That too. But obviously, we never really got to see. Jack or Arnold in their prime. The thing with the Masters too is it's still cool to see those old timers 
go out there and hit the golf ball and just have fun to kick off the Masters. Mm-hmm. The opening tee shot. And I, I got to give credit. So one of the cool things about the Masters, I didn't even know this until this year, the Masters, I mean, like several other golf tournaments, they split the TV coverage. But the Masters is its own entity, and they actually control every element of the TV production. So they control the fact that it's on ESPN the first two days and it's on CBS for the weekend rounds. But they control the whole production, which they have a phenomenal way of doing their broadcasts where you have solid groups throughout the entire day. It's not just all jammed towards the end, and if you get there early, you're kind of just seeing nobodies, which is part of the allure of the Masters. But they do it, you know, you had Tiger um, playing, I think, in the first opening round, and they had kind of, I remember watching um, the ESPN Plus broadcast where they just had one broadcast option focused on Tiger and John Rahm's two groups. And you had those star-studded groups going on, which credit to John Rahm, who ended up and ended up winning the tournament on that final day push because of the failure of Brooks Kepka. But you did have um, he started his his day, his first day of the tournament with a double bogey on the first hole, right, and then went on to end up going to win um, had an incredible final or incredible even first round, but. Incredible final round to go minus three, and the weather was awful. Yeah, at the last two days, and really the last three days, Phil Mickelson was minus seven on the final day to tie for second. Good old oh, lefty, lefty getting or doing good again too. So, really, just one of those tournaments, and I, I think golf is at such an interesting crossroads. Where, yes, you know, we're just talking about how it, it's it means a lot more when Tigers in contention on Saturday, on Sunday. But we're really in an interesting era where really for the last almost 10 years, and I think maybe even going further back, it feels like really anybody can win any given major. And then at the end of the day, there's probably about, you know, Outside of your rare um, come out of nowhere story, you're probably going to have a truthfully about five guys who probably are going to win most majors. But the fact that you can, you know, you can have stories of guys having, you know, these these runs on Friday and Saturday to potentially win that, and you can have, I think there's probably about a pool of fifteen guys that can win. But about five, they probably will win. Right. I mean, especially when you kind of break it down the betting-wise, you're, you know, you can kind of look at the odds of where guys are when they, you know, just to make the cut versus where guys are to win and see what those odds are going to be. And where you're getting guys, you know, I think from the Masters, I think Rory McIlroy was plus 300 to make the cut, which is insane because, you know, he was the number one golfer in the world, what, four or five years ago. Right. And just him making the cut of being in what the top, I think it is the top 51. Yeah, I think that's what it is. On a given tournament. 
and guys, you know, we grew up with so many of these guys who ended up missing the cut with Justin Thomas being the cut, uh, Bryson DeChambeau missing the cut, um, Kisner, Rory, Sergio, Bubba Watson missed the cut, which, I mean, a lot of these guys are aging. Louis Oosthuizen uh, had to withdraw. I think Dustin Johnson missed the cut. Or if he didn't, yeah, he, no, he he did make the cut, but was on the very bottom end. Was Didn't Justin, Dustin Johnson join the Live Golf? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, so they can still play the PGA Tour? Uh, at least for the Masters they did, because Phil was in, you know. Oh, I was, suppose- I forget about that. Well, and Ari missed the cut. Just some of these names on the, the cut line. It's kind of really interesting. And again, like I said, I know that some of them are aging out of contending in a given weekend. What the hell happened to Ricky Fowler? I don't even see his name on here. <clears throat> I feel like he's kind of a fly-by-night guy. He's either really good or really bad. Yeah, he didn't even golf the Masters, it looks like. Huh. Yeah. He, uh, he did golf over the weekend. He's still in the PGA Tour. Um, he golfed this past weekend in the event that was won by um, Matt Fitzpatrick, where he beat out Jordan Spieth in a shootout. But he was tied for 15th at minus 11 in the Harbor Tour or Harbortown Golf Links tournament over the weekend. But anyway, so that's our Masters talk, and I really don't have any strong opinions on the NHL playoffs this year. Personally, I... Yeah, nothing. I'm a Caps fan. Caps didn't make the playoffs this year. And How do they go from winning the championship to not making the playoffs? They won the championship four years ago, five years ago. Is it four years ago already? Yeah, 2018. Huh. Last year it was the Colorado Avalanche. For some reason, I thought it was last year. I wish it was last year. I've been happier now. Great. <laughs> but uh, just kind of bringing it back to the local teams before we dive into the Packers draft talk here. Um, some playoff action going down potentially early next week. The Green Bay Gamblers are playing their last regular season home game on Saturday and contingent upon their playoff seating. They did clinch a playoff spot. Um, they potentially would be hosting a best of three opening playoff series, which would be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday if necessary. Uh, so those tickets are on sale through the Gamblers and the Rush Center. Uh, Really hope people can make it out for those. Those playoff games or hockey games are a blast the way it is, but playoff hockey is best. Are you uh, going? I might. I might go Monday and I might go Wednesday if they would make it. I haven't decided about Monday yet, but if they would go game three, I'd probably go Wednesday. Because how do, how do those playoffs work then? But just best the, of three? First two rounds, I believe, are best of three. And then I believe the semifinals is a best of five. Oh, okay. And then I think the championship's best of seven. But I'm not 100% on that. And the host would be the team with the top or with the better record? 
I take it? I believe that is the case as well. Because the, the Gamblers would be the host for all three of this opening round. And I believe for the second round, they would not host a game if it went all three as well. Mm, so the next okay. time that they would potentially host would be the semifinals. Because that actually splits like how it's how we're accustomed to. I believe it's 2-1. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so then the other kind of local sport, I mean, we talked to Tim Rattlers already. They're in the early parts of their season. Uh, just had us, their opening day was last week. Had a six-game homestand before, or five-game homestand before hitting the road again. Um, they'll be on the road for, I believe, the next couple weeks here. Uh, but be sure to get it out to Foxy Stadium. Uh, Green Bay Rockers are still a couple months out because of the college season's still going. I believe they'll be getting underway in mid to late May or early June. But the Green Bay Blizzard is underway, the Indoor Football League. Um, we're going always. Friday. Hmm? We're going Friday. Are you? Nice. Always an interesting league. Um, the Blizzard are 2-2 two and two on the young season and kind of finally finding their way offensively. They struggled the first couple games, but it's they've been actually pretty interesting to watch. Um, it's an interesting game if you're, you know, if you're only used to the NFL. It's a lot faster paced at times. You've right. got the two guys that get to go in motion, the shorter field. If you haven't seen it, like I said, it's, just, it's something to watch. There's a lot of rules that even I've really fully, like the illegal defense, and you have to have so many guys on the line, and so many guys can only do certain things. You can't like blitz like a linebacker. It's it's wild rules, but it's really hard hitting. It's fast. Right. It's just so much fun to watch. It's like you said, it's just a totally different product. And if you, if you don't, if you don't know, if you want to go out to, you know, the rush center or, you know, follow, you know, follow them along every given week, the games are all on YouTube, YouTube, uh, not even YouTube TV, just go on YouTube. It's free to watch. You can stream the games live. Um, true. Like just truly they're awesome to watch. So uh, high scoring games. I think usually the over under of them is like 90 combined points. The Blizzard won out in Sioux Falls over the weekend, 46-41. On a touchdown with 10 seconds left. And they were down, I think, with four minutes to go in the game. I think they were down 33-41. So they scored that, what, the 13 points to end up taking the win. So fast scoring, fast offense, 50-yard field. And seeing yeah, guys I'm that for- any given you know time very well could make a NFL jump. Um, who's playing? Do you know who you're? Who the Blizzard are facing this weekend, Sean? When you're going? Uh, I'm not really sure. You know, but I will say figure it out. The uh, one of the fun opponents to potentially see any uh, in the league, the indoor football league is the Iowa Barnstormers. Um, They do have Green Bay Packer legend. Not all-time great, but I'm saying legend. Jake Kumro's brother, uh, which brought Jake Kumro to town for their matchup two weeks ago. Uh, They are also offensive coordinator by former Blizzard player uh, Matt Barrett, who also was a two-time national champion with UW-Whitewater. 
was Jake Kumaro's quarterback at Whitewater. Um, so plenty of Wisconsin ties there. Uh, they are playing. Actually, they're having the rubber match against Sioux Falls. Uh, Sioux Falls Storm this week, Sean, on Friday night. So the rematch taking place. Um, then the following Friday, May fifth, or they'll take a week off. Following Friday, they'll have the Massachusetts Pirates, which, as of two seasons ago, had a couple former Packers. I think Justin McCray was on that team. Um, another one, Martavis Bryant was on that team. I think he was not a former Packer, but he was playing in the Indoor Football League. So former Steelers, upper round pick. Um, so you you do see some pretty good talent in these leagues. So be sure to check them out and go along with the the Blizzard season, which brings us to the other football team in Green Bay, Sean. Great. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, which. Um, started OTAs today. Boys are back in town. Um, Aaron Rodgers did not appear at OTAs today. Did not appear. Um, as of today, he is still on the Packers roster, though. The trade has not gone through. It sounds like it's kind of stalled out right now. Um. So we're hoping it's going to be done before the draft? I think you have to hope that that's the case if you're a Packers fan because I don't, I don't foresee having any value to it after. No, there's absolutely none. I don't think. Unless you're going for because some of the hang obviously the hang up is compensation back and I definitely understand in the sense that, you know, the Jets probably don't want to give up a first this year and a first potentially a first next year for a guy who may only play a year. So I think, and I think I suggested some of this last time we had talked, is I think the really interesting kind of a, you could do a, I still think the Packers are holding out for a first this year, or those two seconds, the 42 and 43. So you'd have 42, 43, and 45 on a row. Right. Um, I still think the ideal trade package would be a first, one of those two seconds, and some sort of conditional, conditional like, for third or fourth round pick for next year, or even if you want to put it out two years, depending on if he plays next year, or if it's more than just a rental, um, you can go it that way. But that's what I'm thinking with the conditional is that it'll be like just say a first round pick if he plays, but if he doesn't play, it's a third round pick. Right, kind of thing is what I think I've been seeing more more of than anything. So I think that would have to be the route to go. But I, like I said, I think the Packers are holding out for that first round pick and trying to avoid a pick swap because I don't think it makes sense to swap thirteen for fifteen. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> but but, you, but then you package thirteen and fifteen and move up to what five. If you think that's where your best player, I think they, I think they, there's some very good players that they could get at 15 or get at 13 for that matter. Um, obviously, it's fully dependent on how the draft board breaks down. Well, we got, we got to expect that the top four, top four picks are going to be quarterbacks. At least three of the top four, probably. Right, at least three, but probably all four. Very likely, could be. 
because what you got Houston, right? No, Carolina, Carolina, Houston. Houston. Um, I believe the Colts traded up to three to from four. Yeah, let me double lose four. They just had on ESPN was the um, the Todd McShay and uh, Mel Kuyper oh. mock draft. So, as it stands right now, um, Carolina, Houston, Arizona, Indianapolis. Oh. That trade didn't go through, or it was just rumored. Um, and then fifth would be Seattle, Detroit, Vegas. Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Tennessee, uh, Houston, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Packers at 15. So as this kind of went down again in the mock draft, it went Bryce Young first overall, uh, CJ Stroud second overall, uh, Will Anderson, the defensive end out of Alabama, went third to Arizona, and then Anthony Richardson out of Florida went fourth to Indianapolis. I still feel like somebody's going to trade up to three and try to get in front of Indy if they can. Oh, 100%. I very much could see that. I could see the Raiders. Well, the Titans are currently, according to this mock draft, they have the next quarterback off the board. Um, I pick 11 with Will Levis out of Kentucky. Yep. Um, I could see Oakland trading up. I could see... You mean Las Vegas? Oh, yeah, Vegas, whatever. You can see probably, um, you could see Seattle move up. But I that probably won't be as likely. I could see Tampa Bay moving up. They're very sneaky. You know, I, I you know, Baker Mayfield is what he is. But I could see them moving up. What about Minnesota? That'd be another sneaky team to move up. Could be. Because Kirk isn't oh. going to be there too much longer, I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, Seattle has picked five. According to this, they would go with Jalen Carter, the defensive oh. tackle out of um, Georgia. Uh, we'll skip a few here because I don't need to necessarily go pick by pick. Uh, this mock draft has the Packers taking the tight end out of Utah, Dalton Kincaid. Um, he's jumping over Meyer. He has, yeah. Um, I think he's he. So, I think Meyer is probably the best overall tight end for both catching and blocking. Um, Dalton Kincaid is probably the best receiving tight end, according to Mel Kiper. Okay. Um, trying to see what they said about uh, if they have Michael Myers or Michael Mayer, excuse me. Uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. But his kind of his comps. Um, it's got to be Jimmy Graham, right? What's that? His player comparison has got to be what, Jimmy Graham? Uh, that sounds about right, but let me... I just want to see what his draft profile is, according to NFL.com. His official draft profile has his pro comp of Jason Witten. Oh, okay. Which I don't hate either. 
That's a solid oh, tight end. That all. Right. Both drafts have him have Packers taking him. Well, they so that draft was um, like a back and forth. McShay would pick, Kuiper would pick, McShay would pick, Kuiper would oh, pick. Oh, oh. So Kuiper had the Packers pick, and he went with Kincaid. Um, there's been quite a few different names at that spot. Um, for what it's worth, Dalton Kincaid's NFL comp is Zach Ertz. Oh, okay. Which That'd would be, be a solid option. Um, some of the other names that, and we'll talk more about this next week as the draft is, you know, within days away. Um, right. Good friend Mason Sprangers is slotted to join us. It's a little pitch there. But some of the different names that you could see the Packers land. Um, nine names, according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, could land in Green Bay. Uh, we just talked about Dalton Kincaid. Um, which, I, for, for what it's worth, I think if they go any skill player, that would just be the g- biggest middle finger to Aaron Rodgers. Right. I, I would be so pissed if I was him. And actually, I probably will be mad if that's the case. Just because you went 20-some no, years. You, you be mad that they don't do something for Aaron Rodgers and they do it for Jordan Love right away. Well, it, it would just be – I think it would be petty. And I, I would hope that the Packers are above that. No, they aren't. No, probably not. Um, but at the same time, like I would be so pissed if I was him because for 20-some years, especially – well, let's even call it what it is – the last – seven you've been in position where you probably should have taken a skill player offensively and didn't um you can make the case they tried to last year for christian watson but the vikings went budge at 32 after they already traded for that spot but i can definitely like i said i definitely would have some resentment if that's the case um got all the resentment to begin with so it doesn't really matter to add more so that's a fair point too um also some other names here uh this would be i think your dream situation if he fell or if you did end up being able to trade up would be jackson smith and jigma uh the wide receiver out of ohio state um just another christian watson you know if you've seen what christian watson can do i would say kind of picture a more polished version a little bit faster, a little bit more short hands, excellent route running, fast as all get out. Right. Uh, will be an excellent complement to Watson and Dobbs. And if you're going to go in a true young pass catching duo with Jordan Love being QB1, might as well add somebody like that. I, but I but I feel like the tight end would be better than another receiver, in my opinion. Oh, I 100% agree. I think that is definitely a better fit. Because I think there's guys that you can sneak in the second round or third round at receiver. Whereas I think... Or, or, or even a guy in free agency or like, that would be potentially be cut come yeah. preseason, anything like that. Where I think you're building around Dobbs and Watson as your two stud receivers and you're gonna like you said kind of fill in role players at that point um i i agree i put a much higher onus onto tight end if kincaid's there or if you believe in michael mayer um definitely think he's a first round worthy talent 
I don't even think we really have a tight end, do we? We have two on the roster right now, and I'm pissed off about one of them. Um, first of all, Josiah DeBarra, <laughs> he's in that kind of that H-back, fullback role. Um, so, yes, he is a tight end by position, but I don't think he's like a – he's obviously not like a true tight end. Right. And then we have our good old friend. The, the I don't know what this guy has – on the Packers um, front office or the coaching staff. But it's just amazing that he still has a roster spot and that being Tyler Davis. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how he made the roster last year. And I, I'm never one to, you know, I don't want to ever take food off somebody's table or anything like that. But the fact that he had made the regular season roster is nothing sharp of astonishing to me. <laughs> After how right. horrible of a preseason he had with the penalties, the fumbles, the drops. And he didn't have a good 2021 preseason either, for what it's worth. Right. Exactly. So it's it's genuinely amazing that this is the, I mean, really the only true tight end that they have on the roster right now. And it hurts, Sean. It hurts. <laughs> It hurts my head to think about that is the only true tight end right now. Great. I mean, Great. hell, I'd bring back... Um, I would take Martellus Bennett at this point. Oh, geez. Let's not go that far. Or Jared Cook, or... I, I would take Jared Cook. Or, uh, well, Jermichael Finley can't play, but bring back J. Mike. I would rather have... I would rather have 2023 Jermichael Finley over Tyler Davis. Or or just, just reset Mercedes Lewis. Well, he's going to be a Jet, Sean. We all know that. Right, he's going to be a Jet. <laughs> I could see him going back to Jacksonville. That's what, that's one place I could see him going back I, to. I first see that being the case. I really do. Especially as the Jaguar, or the Jets just continue to poop the bed on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. I mean, you put all your eggs in one basket and have just failed on every level. Um, real quick interruption here, Sean. Brewers just getting underway. Christian Yelich with a leadoff opposite field home run. Nice. That game. Nice. Uh, his first opposite field home run of the season. His third on the year. He smoked the other night, didn't he? Yeah, he had a laser shot. I think um, one of my favorite Twitter accounts right now, it's an automated account. It's, I believe it's called What It Dong. <laughs> Would it be a home? And then they take, like, they have, like, an overlay of all 30 ballparks. Yep. And they calculate how many it would be a home run in. And then they, they do it also with, like, with some different, like, the longer fly balls, too. Where, yep. you know, if it's not in that park, but it would be in, like, 10 other parks or whatever. I think Christian Yelich's home run would only be a home run in, like, five stadiums. It wouldn't even have been in Milwaukee. <laughs> that seems about right. But, so, leadoff home run for Christian Yelich. Uh, going back to the, our Packers talk here. Um, another name that the, that is very popular going to the Packers, and none of these, I believe, are skill players. Just kind of taking an initial scroll through here. 
Um, Miles Murphy, the edge rusher out of Clemson, kind of the same spot the Packers were at a couple years back with um, when they drafted Rashawn Gary. You don't necessarily need a top-end pass rusher in the draft, but if one is available and the best available athlete at the time, you might as well because we saw how it worked out with Rashawn Gary. Um, Preston Smith kind of seems like he's on a year-to-year basis, contractually speaking. Um, they don't really have anybody behind those guys. And Rashawn Gary's coming back from an, an ACL. You do have Kingsley and Gabari, who was your fifth-round pick last year. Um, so make of that what you will. I think he's a great pick. I think he's a great third option. But if you can go ahead and get another guy, um, why not? Uh, Engobare, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm I'm starting to you know get our flashbacks from last year as we did our we were so heavy on mock drafts last year. It sucks that we haven't been able to as much this year, but also because Pro Football Focus went and decided to make it so you have to pay to do mock drafts, like simulators. Of so course, that, yeah, typical Florio, right? Mm-hmm. But um. Kingsley Ngabar was a guy that was going in the like second, third round in most mock drafts last year. Which is absurd to me, but kind of cool, right. too, that the Packers were able to get him in the fifth round. Um, ironically, I did go, I, I did find my first mock draft from last year that came through. I did have Devontae Wyatt, my 22nd pick. Which I was really, when they, when they first drafted him, I was really pissed off. I'm like, who the f- is this guy like I didn't have him and turns out I looked back and I did so um but Miles Murphy I dress her out of Clemson um has kind of I mean really I think his pro comp probably is Rashawn Gary he's got all those physical tools hasn't necessarily been as consistent in college but really kind of takes that role um as not a guy that you need right now but Another guy, uh, so kind of going through the list here, uh, according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Michael Mayer, we talked about him already. Um, offensive ladder, offensive lineman, offensive tackle, Broderick Jones out of Georgia, another name being thrown around. So um, I, feel, I feel like Bakhtiari's not going to be around too much longer. No, he's he, he's kind of in that same boat as, Rashad, as Preston Smith, as Aaron Jones, where... They're kind of on a year-by-year basis, and depending on how the contract looks at any given point, um, one outlet today, I can't remember which one it was, but I'd seen on Facebook on an article that a lot of scouts and player personnel around the league are already anticipating the Packers cut Bakhtiari next offseason, which was kind of the talk all last offseason for this coming season. So very well could be the case. and Broderick Jones, kind of one of those guys that fits in. Um, a couple other names here. Deontay Banks, Maryland cornerback. Um, cornerback, kind of one of those positions that the Packers have depth at and don't necessarily need, but if they can get the athlete that they like, I could foresee them going there. Um, I don't think it's first-round worthy, to be honest with you. No. But it is a mock draft that... Uh, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports did have them going with. Um, I feel like you need more of a safety if you're going to go with a secondary guy. Which leads us to our next uh, pick here, Sean. Oh, perfect. Which is Brian Branch out of Alabama. 
Yep. Um, very tempting name. I think I've seen him in a lot of mock drafts. Um, I was doing one last night on one that's not as nice as Pro Football Focuses is, so I didn't post or anything like that. But um, he's a guy that you can usually see in that 15 spot if they don't get the trade done or if it doesn't go the way that you know a lot of us are anticipating that it would. So that's a spot. I think even Mel Kuyper's and McShay's draft had him going like 19th tonight. Um, so that's so definitely a solid a solid spot. Now, are you scorned by Alabama safeties or not? I I don't feel like HaHa Clinton-Dix was a bad pick. No, his first early part of his contract, he was great. It's when he started playing for the next contract as opposed to playing for that season. Right. But... I, I like I said, I just don't I don't feel like he was a bad pick, so I wouldn't be scared to take another Alabama safety. No. I, I that was mostly a joke, I gotta yeah. be honest. But right. um so Brian Branch's draft profile reads as this. Branch spent most of his college career in the slot but projects well with a deep safety. He's not an explosive tackler, but he hardly ever misses. He has an elite feel for route concepts, good production at the catch point, and is willing to show up and run support and take on blocks. Packers desperately need consistency up the spine of their defense, and Branch would prove, provide some help. Yeah, because we cut Amos, right? Or... Uh, they voided his contract, yeah, at the the void point. Oh, okay. And then, so pretty much we got Savage? Savage, and then Rasul Douglas is projecting to play some safety. Um, you have Rudy Ford back in the fold. He's going to kind of play that Charles Woodson-esque role. Kind of, yeah. Um, Brian Branch, while I'm looking it up here as well, his draft profile uh, has a pro comp of Minka Fitzpatrick. That'd be good. Um, Obviously, that's your ceiling. You know, that's not saying that he's necessarily going to be the next Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, His draft profile reads really interesting. The plug-and-play defensive back with every ingredient necessary to be a high-performing starter early in his career. Again, he did play a lot of that nickel slot coverage, um, but he also has the ranged instincts for the single higher split safety looks. He's quick, fast, and strong with the ability to match up with shifty slots and bigger possession receivers in your pass catching tight ends. Plays with urgency, takes playmaking angles into the throwing lane, but does have a little bit of a tendency to play a little safe from off-man coverage. No real weaknesses, which could make him one of the safest picks in the draft. So we get that extra set or extra first round pick from the Jets, and we can take two of these guys, which would be that would be, I think, the ideal situation. Obviously, totally out of your my hands, but um, I think if that's the case, that's definitely about to go. Um, is probably tight end safety. That's your biggest need, I would say. Um, I, feel, I feel like O line, you can get farther down in the draft D line. You can get farther down in the draft and edge rusher. I mean, you're not going to have one of the stud edge rushers <coughs> probably anyways, but you can take a guy in the second or third round that is still going to be productive as what we've, what we've had the past few years, I should say. So a couple other ones that you're going to go through. Um, the speaking of edge rusher, Sean, another one here kind of making the list is Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher out of Iowa. Um, Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated, beat writer for Sports Illustrated for the Packers, 
Some guys just seem to fit. Uh, that's Vinesse. The Illinois native has a size, athleticism, and tools to be Rashawn Gary 2.0. As a player who needed a bit of time, NFL coaching to maximize his gifts. If the Packers can't ever stop the run, a pass or pass rushing package of Gary, Preston Smith, and Vanessa would play in the hands of a big play secondary. Um, they also have a second round. He also has a second round pick for what it's worth um, of Dar- Darnell Washington, that giant tight end out of Georgia, who would basically oh. be Mercedes Lewis 2.0. I, I like how in the, in the thing they just threw a shot at the Packers for not being able to stop the run, too. Right. A <laughs> um, couple other names kind of just worth noting that if for first-round picks, assuming that they only have one, uh, Quinton Johnson, the receiver at TCU, I think is a very interesting option. Um, I think he probably makes the best kind of fit from what the Packers don't have. Uh, Jordan Addison, the receiver out of USC, is a very interesting concept. Uh, definitely probably one of the best route runners of the the draft currently. Um, and then Brian Brees, a defensive lineman out of Clemson, and then kind of bringing him back a little bit more local. Uh, Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, has been kind of in that 15 to 20 range of drafts. Um, in terms of Packer or former Badgers, um, looks like three estimated or kind of by most projections estimated get drafted. Uh, Joe Tipman at center could go as high as 25, according to Chris Trapasso at CBS, um, as low as Chad Reuter having him going at 57 to the Giants. Uh, I think probably the best overall player in the draft for the Badgers, Kendall Benton, defensive tackle, um, second round pick by all estimations. And then I think the, one of the more interesting, Nick Herbig, has him uh, a, as an edge rusher slash outside linebacker, um, kind of being that day three, you know, fourth round, fifth round window. Um, but yeah, definitely some options, I think, for the Packers. I think secondary, there's a safety or corner. Let me I gotta look him up. Um, that I think is really interesting out of Illinois, and that is Sidney Brown. Okay, that I'm very intrigued by. Uh, he plays DB, makes a lot of sense, I think, for the Packers. Should they go second or third round with this guy? Um, played a little bit at he played seven games in safety last year, three in the nickel for Illinois. Um, doesn't have a true draft comp, but. Limited by a little bit of lack of fluidity in space, but a straight line speed and very effective mapping his transit to the ball carrier near the line of scrimmage. Does miss some tackles, which is a little bit of a concern, apparently. Um, oh, so he's going to be 2.0. Hmm? So he's going to be Kevin King 2.0. Well, if that's the case, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, in all seriousness, the Packers are, really, I think, a really interesting spot as a franchise and I it's somewhere that I really had you know you always hope that you never are because I think they're kind of in a purgatory spot right now right where I think there's people in the organization that believe that they're this draft class away really from contending again at least for the north right um 
Which I don't think is too far of a stretch, to be honest with you. No, I don't think so either. I think you very realistically could have them, you know, make a run at Detroit and Minnesota. I don't think Chicago's going to make that much of a jump this year. Uh. I think Minnesota's on a probably a little bit more of a decline than, a, you know, rising at this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. but Especially with the news that they very likely could cut Delvin Cook if they haven't already. Yes. Um, I feel like Detroit's going to be your your team that's going to be on the rise for sure. Right. And I, I, I feel like Chicago is going to be on the rise getting better, but they're not going to be contending. Yeah, they're not going to be in that same spot that, say... They're going to win more than two that. They're going to win more than two games. Very well could. I'm not going to say that they won't. Um, yeah, they're, they're definitely an interesting spot as an organization. Um, kind of what we saw in the 2016-2017 and, and where they do have a top, you know, you have a non-playoff draft spot for the first time in a long time, really, you know, I mean, you had a couple of years in a row. That's what sixteen, seventeen drafts where you had non-playoff spots, but yep, or seventeen, eighteen drafts technically. But no, I'm thinking seventeen, nine, seven, eighteen, nineteen drafts is what I'm thinking. I keep, I'll get it right eventually. <laughs> um, but so you have, I mean, you every once in a while you have a handful of drafts where you're just outside of it and. You have a sp- chance to get a few impact players early on in rounds where, you know, where you've picked the last few years, whether it be pick 30 or 29 or whatever, where you're sitting in a spot of looking to get a guy that's more of a second round talent with the first round contract. And, you know, if you do potentially get that Jets pick done or draft pick done. Like you said, maybe you sh- maybe you do go up to to seven or eight or you know whatever your heart desires. To, you know if you package them or yep. maybe even you take you know if you get one of those Jets second round picks, you can get back into the end of the first round with trading forty two or forty three and forty five or something like that. I think I I do think there is an imperative. You know if you do believe that you're again, a couple players away or that you're very much in a, in a spot where you could contend again for the division this year and maybe make a run with, you know, kind of getting your last true year of that budget quarterback in Jordan Love before he starts to get expensive, which I think even if in the fifth year option, a $20 million deal isn't terrible. And that's mm-hmm. still, that's fully guaranteed, but it's still nowhere near even like the top half of quarterbacks. Right. So if that's the case, I think you very realistically, um, you have two years of that that window, if you will, to really kind of get your value out of it. So I think there is some pressure to kind of get it right and not, you know, pass the buck down for project players. So if yeah. you can get two first round guys or you know three second round guys, you know what the situation is. I think there's a lot of pressure to make that happen. I think that's not talked about enough, really. Because I know everyone's kind of like, oh, the Packers are rebuilding, the Packers are rebuilding. Well, if that's the case, then you've got a year or two to rebuild or to restructure or to reload, whatever the 
word you want to use. You know, the, the infamous Packers term is, oh, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. Well, again, you got to see what Jordan Love has. Maybe, maybe he's not the heir apparent that we all hope that he is. I know the jury's kind of out on him. You know, we did see a lot of improvement from year three, year four, or year two to year three, I should say, and you're hoping you continue to see that from year three to year four. Um, but it's just kind of one of those things of, you know, what do we end up getting for that two-year window of contention? Or or is this kind of like a two-year two window of, you know, see what it is, and maybe you do build for that year three of, of another new quarterback. Right. Which I sure shit hope isn't the case. I really, I know we're spoiled here, and I know the odds of getting three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row is is minuscule because the odds of getting two is almost impossible. Right. I'll gray with three B. You know. <laughs> right. I don't want to. I don't want to put the the cart ahead of the horse, but. Yeah, I guess we'll just we gotta make it through this draft and get Aaron Rodgers off the team, and then we'll see. Or, or, no, uh, we're not keeping. Trade doesn't occur. We're not keeping him. <laughs> no, just saying it hasn't occurred yet, Sean. It's it's technically not impossible. It's impossible. I feel like this front office has done more damage. I I feel like even Aaron's probably said his sayonars, his goodbyes, but until it happens, I'm not ruling it out. I'm holding on to hope. (laughs) We have a better chance of getting Tom Brady than keeping Aaron Rodgers. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) All right, chance. Let's put a bow on this thing. Any other draft thoughts that you have before we get into it more next week with Mason? My my hot take is I think there's going to be four, four straight quarterbacks start the draft. So that's what I'm thinking. Top four picks, four quarterbacks. <clears throat> I I very much can see that happening. I, I'm that three spots where it gets really curious if someone's going to move up, and I think that's your best window. I could see Indianapolis having to you know kind of pull what. The Bears did for Trubisky a couple years, or not? Uh, yeah, for uh, Trubisky a couple years back, where they have to sell their entire draft basically to move one spot to a team that wasn't going to try to draft a quarterback because somebody else was calling. Right. So, and then my my other thing that I'm kind of curious on is where Bijan Robinson is going to get drafted. That the top running back is he going to be a first round pick? Is he going to be a top ten pick? Kind of. I don't know. Yeah. That's just kind of another another curious thing that I'd like to talk to Mason about next week. I'd love to talk to him about that. Now I'm curious if the Packers go with another with a late round quarterback just to kind of fill the backup spot. Because right now the only other quarterback technically on the roster is a futures contract with Danny Etlin. Right. And I know that, you know, we don't even know what we have with Jordan Love yet per se, but you know, if we're sitting here, if Jordan Love goes, you know, I don't think we're in a position where if Jordan Love goes down, it's all hope is lost. I think any hope is technically lost because we don't even know if Jordan Love's going to be a playoff quarterback. But I don't think there's a harm in a sixth or seventh round guy who potentially could, could be. What's that? He could turn into Brock Purdy. Could be. Um, 
I think one of my favorite picks that I've gotten in a mock draft I did was a uh, national championship winning quarterback in the seventh round, Stenson Bennett, a la Matt Flynn. Great. Wouldn't be a terrible fit um, for what the Packers offense is. Uh, kind of a popular name that I've seen floated around a little bit is, God, where he is. I know the Packers hosted um, the quarterback out of Tennessee, but I'm trying to think of, oh, Max Duggan, TCU quarterback, is another one that kind of in those later rounds might be available and might be worth taking a flyer on. Right. I think they're going to take a flyer on at least one guy so for a quarterback. Yeah, and I, I could also foresee a, a late round running back too. Um I have no idea who. I think another one that, again, kind of fits scheme-wise and kind of fits with the later round is the um, the kid out of uh, Minnesota. Oh. So, anyway, we'll have more picks on that next week. More information on that with Mason next week. And kind of, again, I know, you know, he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of draft takes this year like he has in past years and done a whole lot of draft research and big board creating and all that. But always fun to talk ball with him. Just a totally different angle on it than, than you know, any of us have as well. So we'll see who ends up joining the show for that one. The invite is out for our other guys and for Sharn. So we'll see. Um, with that, Sean, we've got just to put a, like I said, just put a bow on this, our bar of the week. I'm going to go with Riverwood Saloon in Lena, Wisconsin. Um, very fitting as I'm sure one of our, our, one of our upcoming reports is going to be this, um, involving this bar, but it's mostly, it's a campground, it's a bar. They've got ax throwing, um, Food and drink, it sounds like too. So, they got good bloody. Hmm. They got good bloody marys. Well, that's good. That's great for you. I'm not not the huge fan of those, as we all know. Because you're it's a like salad. My, probably my most un-Wisconsin thing, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'd agree. But some of the different reviews. Um, just trying to find ones that are actually about the bar itself. Um, best old fashions in Wisconsin. Bloody Marys are terrific. Very nice bar, clean, friendly bartenders. Five stars from Jean Marie Bland on Google. Uh, overall, like I said, it has that 4.8 out of the 30 some reviews. Uh, karaoke is awesome on Fridays. Feels like you're at home there. Friendly service. So great drinks and prices. Nice, friendly place. Five stars from Brian Blisky. Awesome place, great owners, and again, the axe throwing. So with that, Sean, just to put a bow on this thing, uh, what are you rooting for in the upcoming week? Uh, probably get, or the Blizzard game on Friday. That should going to be fun. Bachelor party Saturday. That should be a fun time. Paintball. Grilling out. Then we're going to Riverwood, so should be yes. a good time. The uh, the Sean classroom and bachelor party taking place this Saturday. Sean will officially be on well, he's officially off the market, but officially officially off the market come June. Um, I am beyond excited for axe throwing and grilling. I'm nervous about paintball. 
Why are you I'm so a big angry? target? I'm a big target, Sean. Just got to be quick. That's all I'm saying. Just got to be quick. Yeah, I am. What's, I am what's, more... what's the movie that I'm thinking of with Matthew McConaughey in it? Where do they paintball? Him and Bradley Cooper. Oh. Ah, failure to launch. That's what it is. Yes. Where they play paintball. That's still. I get recommended. I've never played paintball before. Really? Yeah, I've airsofted, which is, I mean, it's a very similar concept, but. This hurts more. See, you say that, but I've taken a, an airsoft pellet at 425 feet per second off my lip. Why, why didn't you have a mask on? Because um, you're dumb? Yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> I, I didn't have a sarcastic enough response, but yeah, that's pretty much long and short of it. No, it should be a good time. I think by default, I, I got to make that my roof floor as well. Um, very excited for the bachelor party this weekend. Um, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna try to. I, you know, I'm hoping sometime this week, maybe Sunday. I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna go hit the driving range as well. Mm. I haven't done that yet. I'm trying to get to uh, get some more golfing this year. I did not go golfing at all last year. Yeah, we, me and your brother. Last year at this time, it was our first time golfing. And this I morning, there, Sean, because I didn't get invited. <laughs> well, we took the girls. Sean didn't get invited either. <laughs> you had something going on. I remember. I am sure we did, but. Um, two years ago? Huh? It was two years ago, apparently. Yeah, two years ago. Still didn't get invited. Whatever. whatever. But. Sorry, I blew up. As you should be. Um, anyway, so that is our episode. Episode 111 is in the books for Shauna, Ramsey, and Justin, who are not here. Shauna and myself as well. We're out. See ya. See ya.